turn to Mark chapter 12 and let's keep beholding our holy God as we see him in the flesh, in action, on his way to the cross. Remember that as as we're listening to him this morning. He is on his way. This is his last week before he is going to face our sins. Because remember, that's, that's what the cross is about, our sins. And this is in preparation. Verse 28, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, referring back to the debate that Jesus was having with the Sadducees that we looked at last week, those who did not believe in the resurrection, all right, and how Jesus so clearly introduced and supported the resurrection. So this is one of them, one of the other uh, leaders of of the Jews who is listening to that. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, and remember, this is a Pharisee that's speaking now, and he's also in agreement with the resurrection, so he's kind of on Jesus' side now. That hadn't happened very often. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now remember, this guy's starting to turn a little bit, but he's still part of the group that's trying to challenge Jesus. And so by asking this question, he figures, well, there's 613 of them. Somebody's not going to like what he has to say. All right? He's, again, still trying to trap him. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. This might sound familiar to you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. This guy's starting to sound like a prophet. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared dared ask him any more questions. You are not far from the kingdom of God. On the one hand, that can be an encouraging answer. On the other hand, That could be big trouble. We don't know what happened with this guy. We will find out. Those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have received his gift of eternal life, we will find out who else is there because we're going to be there. 
We don't know what he did with Jesus' statement. At this moment, things still weren't all right. He was moving in the right direction, but he apparently still wasn't there. He must have still been looking at even these two commandments that Jesus gave, and he must have still been looking at them from a little bit of a wrong angle. Because as I was sharing with the children this morning, if these were the only two, how would you have done? If these were the only two, if there weren't 611 others of them, how would you have done if this was all you were being tested on? Throughout your life, all you had to do to please God is love him with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. That pretty much covers it all. You love him that much and love others, your neighbor, as you love yourself. If that was it, well, I'm afraid we'd be in the same boat as the children with their one command. Honor your father and mother. Obey your father and mother. Uh, That's us. And apparently, the man who agreed with Jesus that, that he was right, because Jesus summarized the entire law with those two. Because all the law relates to our relationship with God and our relationship with people. So Jesus was a master to this man's, in this man's opinion, of, of summarizing it all in these two commands. So that's why he gets Jesus' approval. And he even steps it up by quoting from the prophets by saying, and obedience to these things is more important than the sacrifices, you know, that are going on in the temple right now. That Rodney referred to in the welcome this morning, being thankful that we don't hear the bleeding of goats and sheep in the background here in our worship service. That that's not part of it anymore. That that terribly bloody smelly system of sacrifice isn't going on anymore because that bloody, awful, smelly sacrificial system all went to the cross. Which is, remember, where Jesus is on his way to right now. Maybe this scribe, this Pharisee that asked this question, maybe when he saw Jesus hanging there later on that week, maybe his thoughts came back to this and he saw the sacrifice that was being offered. Maybe he began to recognize his own sinfulness because up to this point, that's what's keeping the man out. That's why he's just close to the kingdom. Oh, he's, he's, thinking, he's thinking rightly on certain things. The importance 
of loving and serving God with all of our heart, strength, mind. That, that's still a great thing to do. The Israelites, the faithful Israelites, they quoted that every day of their lives. They called it the Shema. The first word of that, of that statement means hear or listen. Shema. That's what they refer to it as. They quoted it, they said it, they spoke it, they sang it every single day. What a great reminder. In the passage in which it's given, it's also given in the context of teaching children. In, the, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that Mark read earlier, if we continued on through that, you've, and you've heard us use that regularly in children's dedication services and things like that. Because those things, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, well, first the statement of who he is, that he's one. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, the second person of that trinity, announcing himself in this way, declaring that our obedience, that our devotion is to the one and only true God. And that because he is the one and only true God, because he is the creator, because he is the sustainer, because he is the savior, he deserves our full love, devotion, and service. A great thing to remember. But as we remember it this morning, may it also lead us to confess. As, as, as full in agreement as we are on how important it is, let's not forget to confess that we haven't done it. We haven't even done it well this week. Some of us haven't even done it well this morning. And so when we read this law, when we read this great command, this greatest of commands, let's remember to let it do its work in our lives. Let God do his work through his law in our lives. And see the importance of this and recognize, okay, I still did a whole lot of self-seeking and self-serving this week. Where my focus wasn't on you, Lord. Where my focus wasn't on who made me and who gave me these opportunities, who gave me this family, who gave me these resources, who gave me this life to live, who gave me this air to breathe, to do something for you, to honor you with everything that I am. And so as we as we think about how important and how amazing it is for us to be called to this, we confess that we haven't done it but that Jesus has done it. And by his doing it, and by his dying on the cross for us, then we won't be held responsible for not having done it. And he then, by the power of his Holy Spirit, gives us the power and the strength to do it, to live this. And don't forget what else he threw in there. The man only asked for one. Jesus gave him two. Oh, yeah. 
love your neighbor as yourself. How are we doing on that one? Again, if that's all there was, if that was the only one, uh, for every single one of us. Jesus, on another occasion, on one of his most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, after he went through, and and he went through a lot more law than just the two that he's mentioning here today. As he went through so many laws, near the conclusion of the sermon in Matthew chapter 7, he says, okay, now as your heavenly Father is perfect, uh, you also be perfect. Is that possible? He did it. He lived the perfect life. He did this. And then he died for those for those of us who couldn't. And remember, it wasn't just that we didn't. We couldn't because we were born in sin. This, this sin nature that we have is strong. And until we tr- put our trust in Jesus, until he puts into us his Holy Spirit, his righteousness, his strength, his power, We have no power over it. That's why he calls us slaves to it. And so if it was just that one, love your neighbor as yourself. And and remember, the fact that we haven't done it well doesn't negate the fact that we're supposed to do it well. He made us to do it well. But he gave us the command to point us to the Savior when we fail, which we did. Paul sums it up in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, by saying, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Coming to that recognition is the beginning of going past being near to the kingdom of God. That recognition brings us to the place, okay, now that, we're, now that we recognize, now that we're all in agreement that we've sinned and that we've fallen short of the glory of God, even just these three commandments that we've been talking about today, I'm including the children's command also. Just thinking of those three, we know that we've fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in agreement with that. And what we do with that agreement then is what brings us in to the kingdom of heaven. That's what this man was still lacking. And so we need to ask ourselves here this morning, are any of us still lacking this next step of recognizing that standing here before me, this is the man I'm speaking for now, standing before me, this this teacher who's just given me this most amazing answer, this is God himself, and I need to believe in him.
Because remember, that's, that's what it means to receive Jesus, is to believe in him. Remember, the Apostle John said, says it so clearly in the first chapter of his gospel, when he's describing how, th- how Jesus was received among his own people. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, he says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Speaking about the children of Israel, speaking about the leaders of Israel, speaking about the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin, all the, all the leaders of the Jews, he came to them, they did not receive him. But then John says this, but to those who received him. In other words, most of them didn't. But to those who received him, then he says this, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what this man still needed to do. He understood the priorities of God. But he still didn't believe in the Savior. And so this is our opportunity as we worship him this morning in this passage. As we agree with him. And agreeing with his word is a a great act of worship for us. As we agree with his word. As we agree with this man who said, you're right, teacher. You answered well. And again, if this guy did come to faith, I wonder if he has had a conversation with Jesus about, hey, I'm sorry about telling you you did good. Like, you needed my approval. But we praise him this morning as we agree with this word. And as we praise him, let's make sure that we've received him. Let's make sure that we believe on his name, that we are counting on him and no one else and nothing else but him to bring us into the kingdom, to make us the children of God, to give us the gift of eternal life. Also in the, in the letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This man was looking at him. Did he receive him? We don't know yet. Have you received him? You're looking at him this morning in his word. You're looking at God in the flesh this morning in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Anointed One, Jesus the Savior. You're looking at him this morning. Is he saying to you, you're not far from the kingdom of God? Or have you put your trust in him and you know that you're not far because you're in the kingdom of God? Because you are a child of God. And some people say, well, how can you have so much confidence in that? We, we all make mistakes and we all sin. The confidence is in Jesus, not in ourselves. Understand that. We're not here this morning as we're singing these songs of praise for, for being saved people. And we've been singing a lot of that this morning. As we're singing praise to God for that, 
we're not bragging on ourselves. We're not saying we're great people. We're not saying that we have everything figured out, but we are saying this, that we agree with what God has said about how we can be forgiven of our sins. We agree with what God has said about how we can receive the gift of eternal life, and that comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what we, that's what we do know, as well as many other things, because he gives us his word. And so the question for you this morning is if you've received him, then glory in his law. Glory in this important statement about the two most important commands. Live them for his glory and confess to him when you don't. Because remember, the Apostle John also said in his first epistle, not his gospel, but in his first epistle, he said in verse 9 of chapter 1, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that, folks, was written to people who already believe. People who had already been forgiven of their sins. They needed to be forgiven again when they sinned again. Not that they had lost their salvation, but their fellowship with the Father, with God himself, and with his church was broken. And God, because he is just, and remember, remember how this plays into our forgiveness. Why, why John put it like this? He's faithful and just. He's faithful to his promises. He's just. He's right every time. So he must forgive us our sins because he put our sins on Jesus. Already taken care of. Already forgiven. And so when we confess our sins to him, even as believers, he's going to remain faithful to his promise. He's going to remain just and righteous as he is. And he will forgive us our sins. He will restore our fellowship with him and with each other. We have that to glory in as we walk in his law that he, that he emphasizes the importance of living our lives for, for his glory. Every aspect of our lives. Not This isn't a Sunday morning religion. This isn't a quiet time religion. Well, I'm not, not suggesting you don't have a, a time in the word and, and in prayer, but it's not just that time. He wants us to live for him and to serve him and to love him in everything that we do. That opens up the opportunities, but it also opens up the opportunities for us not to do it. And again, to sin, and again, to confess, and again, to be restored, and again, to love him and to serve him in all the opportunities and all the aspects of our lives that he gives us. All of it. And then also, don't forget, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Ooh. It's a high calling. It's a big deal. We couldn't do it. We can do it. We don't do it. We do it again. We do it for his glory. 
And sometimes we think, I can't go back to him with the sin again. He's going to think I'm not serious because I've brought it to him so many times. He says, come on. Come on. Don't wait until you're out in the hog mess. You remember the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son? Don't wait until you're out there, ankle deep, and come to your senses. Come to your senses the moment you don't do it. The moment you begin to live for yourself again instead for, instead of for him. Come to your senses and, and go to the father. The father who, remember in the story, ran to the prodigal as he comes back. Go to him every time, right away. Even if it's the fifth time. Even if it's the fiftieth time. You remember the standard that Jesus gave us in forgiving each other? When Peter asked him, how many times should I forgive my brother? Up to seven? He's thinking, that's pretty good. Jesus said, yes, seven times 70. And if you're going to count to 490, you might as well do it 491 too. If, if he's expecting us to forgive each other that often, do you not think he's expecting to forgive us that often? He knows us. He knows us. And, and, and again, this doesn't negate the, the, the grace of God. It, it brings glory to him when we go to him again and ask him to forgive us, believing that his word is true. And he will do what he says he will do. And so believers, those of us who have received him, let's continue to walk in him. Those who are just close, like the man in the story, let this be the day. Let this be the day. Don't stay close. Get in. Get in by putting your trust in Jesus. Recognize that you can't do it, but he did it. And he's offered to us, every single one of us, no matter what our sins are, no matter what our background is, he is offering to us the gift of eternal life through faith in him through his work, through his person, by his grace and mercy. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we know that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, the teachers of the law, the Sanhedrin, the council, we know that the leaders of the Jews gave Jesus a terribly hard time. And we know how disappointing that was to you, but we also know it didn't catch you off guard. 
But as we recognize how hard that was for you, Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you for the way that you dealt with them, for the patience that you had, for the way that you didn't use your judgmental power, your righteous judgmental power to immediately take them out. But you answered them. And in so doing, you show us the way. Oh, and Father, we we pray for those who are still trying to live up to the law. If not the law of your word, the law that's written on their heart. They're still trying to live up to it to please you. Help them to realize that that law was given to show them that they need a Savior and help them to see that that Savior is Jesus. There may be some in that situation this morning here with us or online with us. Father, help them not to put it off another day, another Sunday. Help them to understand the uncertainty of this life and of these days. Help them to take advantage of this opportunity today. May today be the day of salvation for them. When they put their trust in Jesus by stopping their own efforts and believing that Jesus did what he did on the cross, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his giving of the Holy Spirit, that he did that for them and that he will forgive them today, that he will send his Holy Spirit today to live in them, to give them your righteousness and your hope, your guarantee for eternal life. And so, Father, we pray that you'd help us to glory in your law by obeying it. And when we don't, to remember wonderful gift of your forgiveness every time we sin. Help us to walk with you closely. Help us to shine bright for your glory that others might also find out about this wonderful gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.